Good to see y'all tonight. Let's all turn to the 23rd Psalm, one of the most famous passages probably in all the Bible. David, looking forward to God, Jesus, the, the perfect shepherd, to shepherd him perfectly through his sorrow, through joy, through whatever he's dealing with. I often have a habit of saying about our church, you know, it's a good place. It's where it's okay to be not okay. <laughs> And uh, that's born out of a desire for us just wanting to help folks out. Admitting that we're all frail. Admitting that we all need grace and mercy from God because uh, it's true we all need that and we all struggle. But it's also true we're all sinners. We're all people. And we all, even though we're committed to helping one another out, we fall short from time to time and we don't get things done like we hoped we do. So... We're constantly hoping to grow and get better at this. Uh, we know that you know we can't possibly do everything, but we need to be aware of the shortcomings when we kind of fall short of ministering to folks like we should and try to work on that and get ourselves a little bit better at recognizing things and, and not falling short uh, coming up with a better plan. And I don't know what, you know what all might be needing to take place, but we have a heart to help folks. We want to excel at this not just be good at it we want to excel at it and uh, you know we can't do that just with one or two folks we need everybody to be involved in that so we're praying that we can get better at this that we can reach out to help folks when they need it and uh, whatever it is that we need to do uh, we often talk about others here and and I know we pray for them when we're at home and and they feel those prayers but they need to feel our presence. They could use a message or two every now and then. I think that'd be good for us to get started. But uh, in Psalm 23, it's just a precious picture. It's real easy for us to look at the world. Oh, come on. It's easy for us to look at other people that we get sideways with or maybe that get sideways with us and almost see them as enemies. But you know, in reality, we have one enemy. The Bible tells us that. It's the devil. And he's trying to devour all of us. Our enemy, according to the Bible, is not made of flesh and blood. So there is not a soul walking on this planet that is our true enemy. Uh, God can save any of them. And God died for all of them. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, and sometimes we can go through issues and disagreements and misunderstandings. And we often joke about you know people getting upset if you don't shake their hand or whatever. But... But, you know, sometimes it can just be a heartbreaking mess. And uh, we need to pray about that and, and, and work to try to uh, uh, reach out to folks who need it. Uh, uh, Melanie and her family and their time. And uh, I know there have been many of us, others here right now, that have gone through struggles. Uh, the Cross Nose now are going through one. and um, The Travelstead family, they're struggling. They could use some encouragement and uh, the Prince family could use just a just a wave or two, uh, something or another, you know, just reaching out to one another. Uh, you know, we can't, I understand, we can't uh, run down every... The thing about it is, the Bible talks about that one sheep that goes astray. Well, it's God's job to get that one sheep. We're, we can't possibly chase every one, or, or we would uh, absolutely wear ourselves out, but... But those that we can reach out to, we need to take the time to do that. And I want to encourage us all to do that. and Because uh, uh, we're a family. And uh, 
as we grow, the family can get larger, and, and sometimes it's hard to think about the church as a family because there's so many different things that are going on, and believe it or not, uh, a large church can be a family. A small church can be a family. They feel different. You know, you have a family of your own at Christmas time that gets together. You go to a family reunion, though, and all of a sudden there's three, four hundred, five hundred maybe people, and it's different atmosphere, but it's all family. It's still family. You know, it's just different in the way it all works and stuff. So we need to be mindful of that. But uh, we are an imperfect place, and uh, we are for imperfect people. Uh, overall... I believe our, I know our church's heart is to love people. We want to. And uh, I'm praying that we can step into that even further. And as we look into this 23rd Psalm, man, this is the most often quoted, by, uh, uh, leaned on by weary, overwhelmed, exhausted Christians. They go to this Psalm uh, for comfort. And, and God accomplishes this comfort by talking to us a whole lot about Him. Uh, when we can take our minds off our stuff and get it on Him and His stuff, uh, He knows that'll change our attitude and our perspective. And As we look at the 23rd Psalm, there's a lot about leadership in this Psalm too. Uh, just to kind of tell you where we're going, He leadeth me uh, from the Psalm is what I've titled this sermon. And this is just my outline to get started. Uh, we have a leader that can be trusted and we're going to talk about where he's leading us and uh, why he's leading us. And then we'll just commend ourselves to, to, Lord, to the Lord God. Uh, the 23rd Psalm, King James Version, which is what most of us have it memorized in, you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <clears throat> For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me, before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> so peaceful. Um, and this may sound a little weird, but this passage does have a lot to do with leadership. Namely, our leader, one leader. Uh, I was talking about how often we want to care for people and love people, but we often fall short. There's one leader that never falls short. There's one leader that, that never uh, lacks on our expectations and his expectations. And If you look at how this passage is laid out, when we think about how God is talked about in the Bible... Just talking about the name of God, God as our creator, as our sustainer, as our king, as our Lord of lords and king of kings. The words that are used in the Bible to talk about God talk just about his transcendence, how he's over and above all things. It talks about his majesty. And uh, when we think about God, it honestly should create a, a feeling in our hearts and in our minds like we're just standing in front of the Grand Canyon, that sense of awe and fear, and all that stuff wrapped in the one, into one. But David here, this psalm, guys, we need to remember, it didn't just come to him out of nothing. Okay, He was going through something when he wrote this psalm. We're talking about a man that had reached the highest of highs, but he's also been through the lowest of lows. And He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, yes, he's my creator. 
Yes, He's my King. Uh, yes, He's the Lord of all. But you know what? He's guiding little old me. He's guiding me. He's leading me like a shepherd. He is for me. He's providing for me. He's the kind of leader that should make us think of Him and just go, who else would we want to lead us other than Jesus? Who else? Why would we want anybody else? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A better translation of that last part would be, what else could I want? That's what he's talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. What else could I want? <laughs> what else could I want for? Jesus Himself. We'll say there's this, this kind of that, this leadership you know, that, that, that we, are, we should want to submit to. Over in John, just put your finger in Psalms there, John chapter 10. We're going to look at John 10 quite a bit tonight and the 23rd Psalm as well. So we'll be flipping back and forth. John chapter 10, starting in verse 10. He's talking about this kind of leadership. There's some leaders out there that are kind of sketchy. John chapter 10, starting in verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, uh, he who is, not a, who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known of my own. I don't know what kind of parallels you might be drawing, but as I read that passage, I was thinking about our world today. And as I look out in our world today, I, do you ever ask yourself the question about our leaders, who is it can we trust? Who is it can I trust? With all the people that are trying to do whatever, what they call leading, um, just honestly here, just plain talk, we're in a political climate right now and there's a presidential race brewing and all that stuff and regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, looks a little messy, don't it? <laughs> it, it it's kind of a mess, quite honestly, and, and we can look at it and, and, and honestly say, who can I trust? You know, who's telling the truth? Who who can I actually go with here? And, and I just wonder, is there is there any leader in the world where we could just say, Whatever they say, I'm for. Whatever they say, you can trust them. Whatever they say, you know, uh, I just don't know if there's anybody like that. And Jesus is talking here. David is pointing out the fact that when we surrender ourselves to Jesus, He puts us under His leadership, under the authority of Jesus, who's the one who will be for us and never against us. He's the one we can always trust. He's one leader we can say, no matter what, I trust Him. I'm going with Him. And he'll never be against us. And uh, the Bible talks about Jesus this way in Psalm 84, talking about Jesus, talking about God. The psalmist says in Psalm 84, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. That's what he says about our God. Second Corinthians chapter two verse or chapter 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you. That's what Jesus told Paul. Romans chapter 8, we find that all things in this life work together for our good. God uses them for our good. God does all that. No government, no popular fad, no organization, no pastor, no person on planet earth can lead like Jesus. Nobody can. But where is he leading us to? Since he's the good shepherd, 
Where's he leading us to? Why should we follow him? He's the one leading, guiding, providing, doing all these things. Where is he leading us to? Well, let's look in verses 2 and 3 of, of the 23rd Psalm. He's leading us toward rest and restoration. Um, I like uh, to think about these plurals here in verses uh, 2 and 3. He leadeth me, uh, or he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's plural. And he leads me beside still waters. That's plural. That's significant because, guys, that's... That's just that's not a singular event. That's something he does over and over and over again. He leads us to pastures of greenery. He leads us to the still waters over and over again. And if you follow Jesus for any time at all in your life, you know that's true. There's ups and there's downs. There's peace and there's chaos. And, and we go through green pastures and, and we feel like we're seen and we're loved and we're known and we're in communications. We feel the presence of God around us in those green pastures. But... But uh, then I love what comes next. He talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Now, look, the Bible don't mince words. It don't hide the fact that we're going to go through struggles. We go through the valley of the shadow of death. But then what does he do after we go through those hard valleys? He leads us back to the green pastures. He leads us back to the still waters. He goes through this over and over again. And he's inviting us. The leadership of Jesus, the shepherding of Jesus, brings us to this rest it brings us to restoration. Even after we go through the struggle, He brings us back after the difficult times to the times where we can have peace again. Just remember, He don't cut out the valley. There's no, um, we call those things you ride in to go over a, a valley or something, the, the uh, tram or whatever. There's no tram that takes you over the valley when it comes to the spiritual thing. God leads you through the valley. you got to go through it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I won't be the kind of pastor that's not honest with you about what the Bible says. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken society. And um, I just don't, honestly, I feel like it's spiritual malpractice to teach people that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be nice and rosy. I think you're doing people a disservice. You're lying to people when you say those things. It's not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that unless you cherry pick them and make them say that. He just said here in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How? <laughs> Why? How can I do that? Some of my favorite words in all the Bible. Why can I do that? For you are with me. Back to chapter 10 of John, when Jesus talks about the wolves coming in the darkness of night and all that, He says the wolf, the 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 hirelings are going to flee. Others might leave us. Others might abandon us. Why do they leave? Why do they run? Because it's not safe for them. When it becomes not safe for them, they cut and run. So they're getting out of here. And Jesus is saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. You got me. I, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to be with you always. As a matter of fact, when the wolves come, I'm going to kill the wolf while it's trying to kill me. That's what I'm going to do for you. And I'm going to do it for your good. And that's what he did when he laid down his life for us. He went through that valley of the shadow of death we read about in Psalm 23. Can you see who loves you? Can you see who uh, does not love you? Who's for you? Who's not for you? Jesus is pointing us in these passages to say, Look, you're mine. I'm not going anywhere. I'm never going to leave you. The hired hands might run away in fear of their own life, but I'm not going anywhere. I've already died for you. What more do I have to give? 
I gave my life for you. Politicians might fail us. Government might fail us. Uh, pastors fall short. Other institutions that you can trust in can fall apart. But, but God says, Jesus says, I'm not going anywhere. You've been bought with a price, my blood. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. He'll lead us through these difficult times. And then look at verse 5. Um, he leads us into joy. Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then it leads right into, from the valley of death, into you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's he doing? He's leading us through this valley of the shadow of death, and he's promising us, when we come out of the valley, I'll have a table prepared. He leads us out of the valley into the joy. Into joy. We know that joy's coming. This leadership that Jesus shows is not this thin sort of lo uh, shallow uh, leadership of happiness based on our circumstances. It's a deep-rooted joy that He gives us. Uh, a joy that, that He helps us through the valley and that joy grows in us. And um, He was with us in the valley as we were growing. There's a lot of folks that might say, well, if you'd have done this or done that, then I'd have been there. Or since you did this or didn't do that, then I'm not going to be there. But he's with us. It says his rod and his staff are comforting. They're guiding. They're leading. Jesus is not saying, I'm out of here. Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, we're going to get through this. And we'll get through this together. And we come up out of that valley into this banquet table and the oil of gladness is being poured all over us. <laughs> And the reason it's prepared in the face of our enemies is because, guys, we're not battling against flesh and blood. Remember our enemy. It's not a flesh and blood enemy. Imagine if our real enemy has set his face to destroy us. So difficulty comes and situation come up in our lives that we start to question the goodness of God. Has anybody been there? You've had problems that come up and you kind of you, you feel it and you're kind of feeling the separation from God. Anybody wonder, where's the goodness in all this before? I have. Guys, this is a safe place. Have, we, have you ever questioned God? Yeah. Wondered, how is God's glory going to come out of this? How is good going to come out of this? How can God possibly turn this into good? How can He be using it? Or, God, there's got to be another way. Right? But you know what? When the people of God are going through the valley of the shadow of death, and they are feeling God navigate them through that valley... And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is comforting them even though they're going through the deepest, darkest struggle that they could ever imagine. And they come out of that uh, valley and they can, they can respond to the valley with gladness. Can you imagine how frustrating that is to our enemy? <laughs> He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to separate us. He's trying to keep us down. And the enemy's like, I'm going to destroy their faith. I'm going to take them down. I'm going to squelch this fire that they have for God. I'm going to separate them. I'm just going to choke out the, the spiritualness of this saint. And I'm going to scheme against them and, and, and bring things against them and, and with this plan and, and that plan and this, this whatever. But when we're going through all that and we feel the presence of God in all that and we come through all that going, man, that was awful, but isn't God good? Wasn't God good even in that? That was a terrible thing. I never want to have to go through that again, but I'm sure glad God was with me the whole way. Can you imagine how frustrating that'd have to be? Okay, just to encourage one another, how many of us have gone through something that was pretty, pretty rough, but we found Him to be near? He was close. 
That's encouraging to me. And he's preparing this table, this banquet set before him in the presence of before us in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are trying to foil us. Our enemy is trying to tear us down. And, and we're just sitting down enjoying the blessings of God right in front of you. <laughs> when the people of God walk in gladness, walk in, uh, yeah, gladness with joy in seasons of difficulty. Because not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness can go that quick, can't it? I mean, it can just be taken from you. The car blows up. Happiness gone. Okay, I mean, that's just the way happiness is. But joy is above that. Joy is not determined by circumstance, by what we're going through, by what happens today or how the day started or how the day finished. Our joy is rooted in our leader and what he has done for us already, the finished work he did for us on the cross. And that means that our leader, he's not, for, he's not against me, he's for me. And that's where my joy comes from no matter what the situation. And I know He's accomplishing something in me, even, even if I am momentarily disoriented, even if I am misunderstanding and can't really comprehend how it's playing out or why it's playing out, I can be assured, surely, last verse, surely, most definitely absolute assurance that what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Most people I talk to when we get to a real level of conversation feel like eventually they're going to be uh, found out. Uh, they're going to be discovered. If people knew the real me, then they'd look at me funny or whatever and uh, look at me in a different light. And a lot of people think that if they're really truly fully known, if they're really honest about themselves, or if God really truly ever could get a hold of us, He's going to come with judgment. He's certainly not going to come with... Uh, goodness and mercy. He's going to come with some punishment. He's going to come with some pain to get us back. And David is saying, hey, as you're going through this valley and you're trusting in the Lord, those footsteps you hear from God running up behind you, those are that's goodness and mercy coming up behind you. That's not pain. That's not that, There is something chasing you. <laughs> there is something pursuing you in all this. But, but Christian, it's not wrath. It's God, God's goodness. It's God's goodness and His mercy. And just as plain as I can make it, to surrender to the leadership of Jesus is to surrender to goodness and mercy. You surrender to Jesus, you get goodness and mercy. But to rebel against the leadership of Jesus is to actually rebel against goodness and mercy. It's like you're saying, no to goodness and mercy. Our confidence in the future is not in ourselves. It's not in what we can do. It's the fact, the only reason I have confidence in my future is because I know that God is after me with goodness and mercy. His goodness and mercy are following me. And that's what helps me get through uh, many days that I try to have to get through is I have that joy. I have the confidence of knowing that even in the difficult times, God is coming up behind me. He's chasing after me, but it's with goodness and mercy. Now, why is He leading us? I think the second part of verse 3 is really where everything pulls together. If you don't get the second half of verse 3, you're going to lose all confidence in this psalm and what it says. Uh, you won't be able to believe or have any kind of confidence that God's chasing you down with goodness and mercy. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His names. Can I just be real with you? Uh, you and I, we couldn't find the path of righteousness today if we wanted to. 
we couldn't discover it on our own. We could look all, all, all we wanted to. We couldn't find it with a map, a, 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 an app, a satellite. We couldn't find the path of righteousness. We perpetually, though, we think we've found the path of righteousness, but we soon discover we're on a path of self-righteousness a lot of times, or we think we're on the path of righteousness but it's really a path of self-serving and leading down even to immorality. What do I mean? Let me just ask you this. How many of us could admit 30 times in our Christian life we've said, I am not going to do this anymore. Instead, I'm going to do this. And that's stuck. And how many times have we failed? We might know what we want to do, but we fail in doing it. We don't know the path of righteousness. He leads us there. Guys, this is us. This is God's plan. He knows what we were. Guys, He knew what He was getting when He bought us. Okay? He knew what He was buying. And since we can't find the path of righteousness to save our life, praise God, we know the one who will lead us to that path. He'll show us that path. That He leads us to the path of righteousness because, not because we're good, but because He's good. For His name's sake. So guys, if, if your version of Christianity is that you've got to find the path of righteousness on your own, you got to be good, uh, you're going to find yourself running from God. Uh, and you're going to find the footsteps you hear of God coming, uh, you're not going to think that's good goodness and mercy. You're going to think it's wrath. You're going to think it's judgment. And it's that understanding that leads us this path of righteousness. Back to John chapter 10, he tells us he lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus brings peace to the relationship between God and man. We were enemies of God, but through Jesus, we're now at peace with God. And He does it in two ways. First, He brings peace between us and God, massively important. He, he gives us peace with God, but He doesn't just stop there. God, Jesus gives us peace with us, with ourself, with one another. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, that's in Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell. And by Him, Jesus, He would reconcile all things to Himself. God would reconcile all things to Himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. How did He make peace? It was through the blood of the cross. So our unrighteousness, our inability not to just stay on the path of righteousness. We can't even find the path of righteousness. But peace was brought between us and God through the blood of the cross. Now since we've been given this righteousness and it was brought to us and this peace was given to us, we don't have to worry about those footsteps that are coming up behind us. Guys, they're, they're goodness and mercy. That's what's following us. They're not wrath and judgment. It's not that just Jesus the Good Shepherd has accomplished this. He brought peace to us between us and God, but He also put a peace within us. My peace, Jesus said, I give to you. He gave His peace to us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. If our heart condemns us and we just think, oh, we're awful, listen, God's greater than our heart. God knows, and He knows all things. That's an unbelievable verse to me because I can get down on myself. I think we're all this way. We are our own worst critic. Uh, we're hard on ourselves. Uh, am I good enough preacher? Am I good enough mom? Am I good enough dad? Am I good enough spouse? Am I good enough worker? Am I good enough person? And yet here in Colossians it says, look, uh, God who knows everything, 
Let Him tell you who you are. So here's what I know. There are things right now in my life, in the way I'm living, in the way I'm operating, you know there are things that are wrong in my life right now and I don't even know it. I'm doing things that are wrong and I don't even realize it. And God can show me that as long as I'm asking Him, God, show me. I can't see them. I can't find them. But I'm asking God, show me. God, show me. God, show me. Because He has to show me before I can see it. And God knows those things. And His response is, like I said earlier, He knew what He was buying when He bought us. Okay, He knew we were going to fail. So uh, you just God tells us, look, you repent. I knew what I was getting when I got you. You repent, you ask for forgiveness, and you move on. Jesus knew what He was getting. And you're not surprising Him. I'm not surprising Him. And, and He knows what's, what we're going to do and, and what we have done. And, and that came from the Bible, guys. God knows everything. And He cleanses our heart with the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. So why can David say, the Lord is my shepherd, who else could I want? Why can he be confident? Why can we be confident in the one's leadness? Why can we be confident that he can direct our future? Because Jesus has made a peace with God in us, and he's made a peace within us and us. <laughs> and even though we criticize our own selves and uh, we think badly of ourselves, God knows. God knows our heart, and he knows what we can become. Nobody's as hard on you as you are. And I think that's true for most people. Uh, the 23rd Psalm is really here to, I think, orient orient our, our spirits, get our minds on the right track, get our hearts on the right track. It's not just some bumper sticker theology uh, that the goodness and mercy of God's following us or His care for us as always, His love for us, His sacrifice for us and all that. It's not just something on a bumper sticker. It's something that's written on our hearts. And in John chapter 10, he talks about giving us a life and living that life to the full. We can do that following our Lord. Following Him, you'll never, ever, ever be let down. I can't promise you a whole lot, but I can promise you Jesus will never fail you. Never, no, not ever, will He fail you. He never will. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He will give us rest. He'll give us restoration. He'll lead us to this still waters and the fullness of life and the pastures. And, and, and He leads us to places where the grace of God can be bestowed on us. That's why He's such a great shepherd. That's why He's such a great God. And that's why He deserves our worship because He'll never let us down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just lift up Your name tonight. We just want to say that we trust you in all things. We thank you for always being there, for having our best interest at heart. We thank you that you even work through us when we're in our own way, when we make mistakes and we forget or we uh, try to do things and end up uh, stubbing our toes and, and making a mess of things, that you work these things out for our good. We thank you for that. We need you, God, more than we even care to admit, I think. God, as we learn to trust you more and learn to feel your presence more in through these uh, valleys of the shadow of death. I pray that we'll be mindful of all the times you've seen us through before and all the times you've led us out into these uh, banquet tables of joy. Uh, even though the darkness of the valley was real, the sadness of the situation can't be undone. We come out of it closer to you with a, with a peace and a hope 
and, a, and just a knowledge that you're going to be there. If nothing else, we've got you, and we thank you for that. We ask you to bless our church, Lord. We ask you to be a constant care in constant care of other people, thinking about others before ourselves. God, I give you all the praise. We thank you for loving us, for doing so much for us. We love you so much. Forgive us when we fail you, Father. Go with us through the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>